You, we can't internally try to create peace between us or a peace or forge it. It's not possible. Peace in this world comes from outside this world. And it's the only way it works. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. The reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 25 through 31. I've said these things to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and remind you of all I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you the way the world gives to you. Do not be troubled in your hearts. Do not fear. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I'll come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place. So when it does take place, you may believe. I'll no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so the world may know I love the Father. The word of the Lord. Thank you, God, our Father. So there are certain subjects as a, as a preacher that I find kind of boring, and this is one of them. Um, oh, I did. I put, I'm going to take it back. I don't find it boring right now, but I did it when I first thought about it. In fact, I was kind of, I'll come across these topics. One of the reasons I go through the scripture verse by verse, part by part, is because it kind of forces me out of my comfort zone. It just forces me to talk about things, think about things, and reflect on things that I may not, I may skirt over. And one of them is peace. I don't know why, I, I just, I, maybe it's because I was raised by hippies, but I just, you know, it sounds kind of groovy and cool, and peace out, yeah, well, like, oh, peace, baby, That's, I remember this, I remember that, the, the, and I remember the, the what was that, uh, what was that, uh, the summer of love, I was there uh, as a baby, being trundled along while, while everybody's getting stoned, because that was peace, dude, that was peace. And I, I kind of uh, experienced all those bids for peace, all those experiences. I've experienced all that. I've been a part of all that. And, and so somehow when I hear about, when I think about preaching about it, and this particular text that we're going to focus on today, it's right there on verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I don't give to you the way the world gives to you. This is Jesus talking. I realized if you're not familiar with the, your Bible, you might not realize this is a quote pulled out of Christ's conversation with his disciples. His conversation right before his death and resurrection. His conversation right before their abandonment. His conversation right before trouble and darkness and anguish and despair and death. And this is, this is his last kind of, his last words. And they're going to go on for another two chapters. And we're going to have the privilege of of soaking in them and, and, and put, getting, getting really into them. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, peace I leave with you. So I, you can tell I was, I was a little bit kind of, ah, I don't know. 
I was wrong. I'm happy to say I was dead wrong. And I, I was wrong in, may, in ways that, I, that I'm kind of surprised by. In fact, and as I've kind of, this, this is kind of uh, worked on me. I'll explain what I mean. But this is what the sermon outlined, for those of you who don't think I don't outline. Uh, this is the outline, so follow it. Uh, with me. Uh, peace with God. What we're going to do first is I want to talk about your peace with God, God's peace with you, not to put to find a point on it. <laughs> and the, the idea that this is the foundational peace, the concept of peace only makes sense if it's worse with God. And then that, that, that objective peace has a result, right, in your experience. You, have, you personally can experience peace. This is usually where we go first when we come to this idea, and we'll see why we can't do that. And then finally, we'll see this, this final, this final uh, idea, peace with others, a peace made in community. And this, if you actually will notice, this is how I outline a lot of messages. I begin with some objective idea about the gospel, talk about how it applies to you personally, and then want to talk about how it applies to the community, how it applies outwardly. And because I think this logic is a logic of the gospel. It's the logic of what it means to know God. First we know him, then we know ourselves, and then we begin to know others. And, and there's kind of a journey of truth and faith and love and hope that happens in this, in this, in this progress, in this process. But let's, let's go to our God is the God of peace. If we're going to go there, uh, I'm going I'm I'm to make the point exegetically from Gideon first and from the Old and New Testament. He is called the God of peace. The I am is Peace. Well, I love that comes from Gideon. <laughs> Gideon's such a, such a knucklehead. And then it's wonderful that Gideon sees that and makes it his worship. And he claims something about who God is that Hebrews 14 kind of casts in on. The peace you brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the benediction at the end. That great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. Equip you with everything good that you may do as well. By the way, you'll see here, the God of peace who made peace by the blood of the eternal covenant, that's the objective peace, right? Equip you with every good thing that you may do, his will, that's your personal peace, working in us, corporate community peace, a peace that radiates outward. And, uh, and so you'll see that the outline is more than just the outline of the text, it's the outline of how God thinks. It's the outline of how truth works in your life. Well, more on that as we go. So our God is the God of peace. And I realize part of the problem is language right out the gate. It's really a deep problem. I was talking to Arnav when I first came in. I asked him it, uh, if, um, if there was any word in Hindu that might be in Hindi that might be different in his culture, because I went to grasp this in English. You go, go to your OED. I went to the Oxford English Dictionary and look up the definitions of peace. And every one of them is simply privation, the absence of strife, the absence of a lack of, of, a lack of internal uh, cohesion, a lack of, it's always, a, it's, wrestling, it's always a lack of something. It's always the privation. It's always something that doesn't happen, a cessation of hostilities, a removal of what disturbs you. And that, as far as it goes, is just like the Greek. Irene, you see the name Irene? It's right there, and this is for you, Luke, for your SATs. Irenic. Irenic means peaceful. See how, see how much coming to church helps you? And so, so that's where we get the word ironic from, means peaceful. And, and the absence of strife or conflict is the core of it. In fact, it's another interesting part of this is there's no verbal use of the word peace. It's not used as a verb either. 
It wasn't in the last couple hundred years. And I, I'm kind of, in English, it just doesn't work. But now, but the, the, I wanted, maybe I should have hidden this so you could see it and get the reveal. Because Hebrew does something completely different. And John is a, is a Jew. And he's writing about peace. And Christ is a Jew. And he's speaking about peace. And everything about the New Testament that talks about peace is meant, means to do something much richer than I thought. This is where I kind of started to, this, this message started to get traction in me. And that is what? The breadth of this word. Look at it, shalom. You've heard that, right? You've heard shalom? Uh, it's actually in the name Jerusalem, shalom, Jerusalem, the city of peace. Uh, and so, um, before you go there, uh, with the, uh, covenant, look at, look at all this different, look at all this different meaning. Packed, packed. I mean, it's all in there. It's the covenant blessing of wholeness. It's the absence of strife. Sure, it has a privation, but it also has what? Prosperity, wellness, perfection, fullness, safety, reward, fulfillment, health, and completeness. He is the prince of all that. <laughs> That's he's the prince. And all of a sudden, this idea now, all of a sudden starts popping a little bit. Because now I'm like, well, wait, I'm on to something. I want this. I want this for Doug and for me and for us in our relationship. I want this. I want this to be tangible. Like, this is something worth really digging in and wanting, right? And it's worth reflecting deeply on. Because the scriptures and our Savior are offering us something so wonderful. And I guess this is where I kind of I get excited. Peace with God, a peace forged at the cross. And I want to, every time we talk about peace, I want to visit over this hover of this, not as the world gives. Here's what Christ says that he makes a distinction. His peace is not like the peace that's brokered and sought and, and cherished even by our, our country or and by many countries, at least verbally and outwardly, Right? Or was the, the motive or the drive behind the United Nations and things like that? Not as the world gives. And the first thing, I want you to know, peace with God. What does the world say about that? Oh, yeah, it has a lot to say about it. And the world has a God, and they call him our God sometimes. And they'll do it at Christmas. They'll talk about Jesus coming to bring peace. But it's not the God of the Bible. It's a God of their imagination. It's a God of private interpretation. It's this God, a moral therapeutic deism. He's just such a kind, benevolent God that he wants the best for you and everyone. How wonderful, question mark, <laughs> exclamation point. And this is where we hear it. We pray for peace. And what that means is, is uh, just, it just doesn't matter what you believe, who you are, where God is. We, don't we all want to pray for peace? And isn't this what, you know, when you see conflicts, you see the the brutal murders happening by, at schools, or you see the strife between nations or civil war. And often, even in our atheistic culture, you'll hear this little meme, we should, be, we should pray for peace. What are they talking about? Pray to who? For what? And the idea that's pregnant here is that God is just, he's, he's the hippie. Groovy, baby. God's just groovy. He just wants you to, he wants you to get in on his peaceful nature. And he wants that peaceful nature to, to be a part of your nature. And like, hey, why can't we all just get along? Right? And there's a, and that idea here, it sounds sort of divine or spiritual. And it sounds perhaps a little bit warm or welcoming. It might sound, but it, it has nothing in it. It has no content. Nobody has to die for this peace. Nobody has to fight for this. The peace doesn't even make sense if we think of it that way. It's in a sense taking my personal desire for some sort of uh, oblivion and just projecting on everybody else. I wish everybody else could be as groovy as I am. 
and we could be at peace. But it's a cheat, and it doesn't exist in the Bible. It's nowhere near Christ at all. It is fake. It is phony. It is unrealistic. It is ineffective. It is delusional. It is deceptive. Because this peace costs nothing. I want to warn you about this. You know, it might be interesting. It's interesting to me that we might think, and we tend to think, that liberalism, I'm going to say liberalism with a small L, I guess a big L maybe, I don't know, it's hard to tell, but I'm talking about a liberal progressivism, I'm talking about the political parties. But there's, there's an idea that the God got, that, that maybe the modern offer of this offer of peace is a modern problem, like we've just diluted our faith enough, or faith is, but, but it's an ancient problem. You see, the ancients, they wanted peace just as much as you do. And they wanted peace for their country or for their real estate or for their people, whatever it is, whatever their motives may have been. They wanted it as much as you do. And what it, beca- it was popular in the ancient world thousands upon thousands of years ago to be a peace preacher. And it's just as popular today. And the idea is, is that we just need to be about peace. We need to be about preaching peace, seeking peace, wanting peace, praying for peace. But it's a peace where there is none. Look at it. Look, 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 look what Ezekiel even says. The prophets of Jerusalem who prophesied concerning Jerusalem, you see the priest there, and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the Lord, the I am. You get in the sense here? You get why this first point is going to be so important and why false peace has to be rejected? Because if it's not from God, it's not lasting. It's not, it's as the world gives, Right? They have, this is a very famous text you should always remember. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying what? Peace, peace. There is no peace. Now, we have somebody here. Lindsay, Lindsay was, this is her story. She grew up in this church, and she saw what the, what the love of peace over the love of Jesus did, didn't you? Because it became something destructive, it became evil. And you see here God's own heart, his own passion, his own zeal is against a peace that's not his. Isn't that weird? You think that the peace you wanted is a peace God's against? You ever think about that? That's, these are new ideas for some of us. We've never heard things like this. Let's keep going. From the mountains may depart and the hills be removed. But my steadfast love, that's hesed, one of the most beautiful words in the Bible, will not depart from you. And my, my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the I am, who has compassion on you. Peace of God, there's something covenant. What is this covenant of peace? What does that mean? And then he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of just hostility. What's being hinted at here? Where does peace begin? Peace with God. It's forged at the cross. Oh, what happened here? Uh, it's my peace, he says. It's a peace that has in light what his work is. It's a peace even against opposition. It's a peace that, uh, that comes and it's active. Now, let's, let's pop this a little bit because I want us to see it as, as I kind of break it down. Peace with God is a peace forged at the cross. And first is a peace created by a covenant of blood. All right, and first I want to start here. Before we even get into the points, the main point of this point is this. Peace in this world comes from outside this world. And it's the only way it works. 
You, we can't internally try to create peace between us or a peace or forge it. It's not possible. And what is happening here? Christ is talking about going to the Father. And he's, talking, he's like on some sort, sort of trip that we're not on. Like he's on a journey that you and I are just witnesses to. And it's a journey that maybe we'll follow it, but it's a journey that you and I won't make. Not the same way he does. Because he goes to forge peace with the Father. And what it means is, is that we, if we're going to begin with this subject, we'd be really serious about the, the restoration and the completion and the, the fullness and the, and, the, and the wonders of shalom. We have to begin with eternal peace. We have to begin with the peace made at the cross. So it comes from outside of us. Praise him. I, I give you an idea of this. In our... In our, in our, uh, our, our uh, uh, it's a happy hour time we do. It's, it's evangel. It's wonderfully wonderful place of connection and life for our for our community, and uh, a number of people do it in the in the city, downtown on Wednesdays. And our, I met a friend there. We got along right away, and it was really fun. But he had been offended by somebody. I mean, somebody had offended him, and he told me the story. And man, it was offensive. And a, a friend of some thirty plus years told him to get out of his house and never come back. I think it was over politics, and it was just, and he was, came to me, and he was angry, and he, and he came to all of us, he was angry, and he kept saying, everybody tells me to forgive and to be at peace, but I don't know how to do it. He doesn't care that he hurt me. You hear this? You hear this? You hear the subjectivity? He's, in, he's like, how do I, Chris, why do they tell me to go and make peace with him when he doesn't want peace with me, and I don't feel like I want peace with him? What do I do? It's, it seems like I'm stuck. And you know what I heard? You know what he's crying out for? The same thing you and I are crying out for. An eternal peace. A peace that comes greater than us, right? A peace that comes from somewhere else. And, and that peace had to be bought at a cost. It was interesting talking to him. He doesn't know the good news of Jesus yet, right? I'm hoping that he will learn it. But he doesn't know that yet. So he keeps asking, how can we show peace to each other if there's nothing, nothing exchanged? And you know what he's hungry for? He's hungry for the exchange that makes peace. What is the exchange that makes peace? It's where the son takes his blood of the cross to his father and says, I died for these people. I love them. They're mine. What? <laughs> Peace is forged in an act of murderous violence, in a murderous violent moment against the innocent. And the eternal son forges peace forever in his blood. Praise him, trust him, put your trust in him today. Turn to him now as your savior. Know him because he would know you. He will bring you peace. Yes, he will. He does bring, he delivers it. But you see, it's from outside you. It's from outside your works. It's from outside your efforts. It's from outside your desires. It's from outside your abilities. That's what my friend was crying out for, something objective that's going to make sense of this bid for peace because it's not enough to just have a goodwill feeling that we should be at peace with each other, is it? No, something has to, somebody has to pay. Blood has to be spilled. Something has to happen. A peace created by a covenant of blood. That's why that covenant language is so powerful because a covenant is a relationship in the ancient world only satisfied by blood only satisfied by blood. Thus it happened. 
A peace that has defeated the enemy of peace. Did you hear that? I am the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Hear this. Not only has Christ gone to make peace with his father to remove the enmity God has with sinful men and women by his own sacrifice, he's also defeated. The, so even in the, in the uh, biblical idea of peace is a privation, it's the idea of removal of strife, right? Getting rid of that enemy, getting rid of his rule, getting rid of his power, defeating him. And he's promising it. And he's saying, look, I forge peace. You know, there's an enemy coming. Don't worry. He's got nothing on me. I love his language. This is exactly, I, I didn't even translate it as, as brutally as it is in the Greek. He, he's got nothing on me. Nothing. He doesn't. Your enemy and the enemy of this world, I trounce. Like actually, and that's another part of the peace he forges outside of us. It's a peace possible because he's forged peace in the spiritual realms. Let's keep going here. Peace greater than space and time. Why I get really excited about this. Look at this. Whose peace is it? <laughs> My peace. Uh, I want to... I should have tucked that little, all those words for shalom on every page because I want you to, I just want you to hear it. He is the prince of wholeness and he is the prince of prosperity and wellness. He's the prince of perfection and fullness and safety and reward and fulfillment and health. And he is the prince of all these things. He gives, oh, that's so beautiful, isn't it? This is who he is. And he's taking all of that eternal truth and making it available to you and me in him. He's not a prince of this peace just for himself. It's the peace he gives away. <laughs> now, now in this moment, I think there's an opportunity for us to, to acknowledge this. Maybe, maybe, maybe your heart wants to praise him right now. Maybe your heart wants to trust him right now like it hasn't before. I'm telling you, you can trust this peace. Be at peace Believe in Jesus, call on his name, be at peace. A peace greater than the age of the universe and greater in size than the, map, than the size of our entire world and universe seeks to complete you, restore you, and fulfill you. We could be done there. Some of you would wish I would stop at that point, but I'm gonna keep going. Our God's the God of peace. He's also a God of peace with God. He's also peace with yourself, not as the world gives. This is the peace worked in the heart. So we talked about something very objective, outside space and time. Let's go all the way back, all the way from the opposite end of that. Let's talk about how you feel this morning. Seriously, like how you feel in the morning, how you, how you get along, how you, how you know how you function. I, you, you know about my struggle with depression. This is a big issue for me. I have to process and figure out how to access this. But first thing I need to do, first thing you need to do is not be deceived by what? Not as the world gives. He said that. I think it's very, very powerful. What do we look for? Peace in wine or drugs is the search for peace that destroys. Now, I don't have a problem with wine and drugs. That's not, that's not the point. But seeking your peace in them is the point. You can have healing in all these things. God gave us wine to make the heart man glad. It's like there's all these beautiful. But what do we do? Instead of enjoying these things or enjoying the privilege of, of drugs and, their, and the way they can they heal us, what do we do? We, seek, we search for more peace in them than they can provide. We, we seek that objective peace that we're seeking from the objective work of God in the subjective experiences of our lives. And what does it do? It, it turns us into turmoil. We become addicts, right? What are addicts? They're people who want peace. Trust me. Do you know that, don't you? 
Addicts are searching for peace. It's probably the best description of what they're looking for. They're looking for peace at all costs. Another part that the world gives is instant inner peace, uh, which is really looking for an emotional experience. Um, I think that's how you do it. Uh, The whole idea is that there's some technique out there that'll make you peaceful. Years ago, believe this or not, believe it or not, this is very popular. It's not popular anymore. This is popular like self-help teaching from 50 or 60 years ago. This is not an exaggeration. Somebody taught that you should, if you, I think it's right, if you rub this place right here and just say, things are getting every day better and better, you'll find peace. I'm dead serious. You taught this? People believed it, huh? People still do it. Yeah, it's still, it's still I don't believe it. Error does not easily die. Uh, what is it? Te- technique? Did you guys do the little spinners? Anybody do the little spinners? These little spinners you're supposed to spin? And it's supposed to, Actually, it worked for me for a minute. You know, I, when you're as ADD as I am, that's just absolutely fascinating. But it's not as God gives, right? It's just this moment, a little piece where I get to play with something and it, it distracts me. And distraction is in peace, is it? Even though it feels a little peaceful at the time, but it isn't peace. There's no, nothing living in it. And so we look for instant inner peace. That's, the, that's actually a line from a Bob Dylan song. And... Uh, Peace with sin. Well, that's the other thing then. Well, no, all right. They just be peace with, you know, with how much you sin. Just be peace with your, don't worry about how much you sin. It's okay that you sin. What is this? What is this right here? This is another thing the world offers. Peace at no cost. Well, we'll get there. There is a peace at no cost in a sense, but (laughs) it costs you everything. At the same time, there is no peace with sin in the peace of God. Because there's no, if you think about it now, if you think about it now, that what was our definition of peace? That big definition of shalom, wholeness, wellness, uh, fullness, completion, perfection, health. What, 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 could, what, what, what could we hope uh, that a distraction would do that, right? How could you hope a distraction would ever do that? But we do it. How would you ever hope wine would do that? But well, we do it, <laughs> you know, and we search for it, and we make the mistake. Peace worked in the heart. Now, this next text I'm giving you is one you should probably memorize. If you memorize anything in the Bible and you struggle with anxiety, memorize this text. The peace of God it's about, which surpasses all understanding, guards your hearts and minds. And these are the things to think about internally, to work on, and the things you focus on create peace or they don't. The promise of the God of peace to be with you. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, he says. We're going to get back to that when it gets to community. But, but I want you to see this idea of a peace worked in the heart is, is so tender. In other words, our Savior, our Savior is so kind. Do you hear this? We hear the kindness to his, to his friends He's got the eternal peace. He's got this brokered in his blood. He's got this promise of what he's going to do and be, right? Who he is eternally. His peace he's going to give. But isn't it wonderful that that translates into a personal experience? <laughs> like that's a part of it. That's a part of it that we can feel and know. A part of it that we can enjoy, that we can turn to in times of trouble, that we can deepen because of the increase of his government and peace, there will be what? No end. That goes for you personally. That goes for us personally and internally, that we can grow our sense of peace. We can grow our experience of it. But this, this, what this is, is a roadmap for peace 
based on praise, uh, based on the Lord's proximities nearby, based on prayer and thanksgiving, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you give us a taste of real peace, that we can have that. I was thinking about this. I got into this habit recently. Maybe you can correct me if you think it's a bad one. But uh, it's kind of me going back to my roots a little bit. But, but somebody asked me the other day, Hi, how are you doing? I said, solid. Now, <laughs> solid, solid is an expression from the 80s, I think. Wasn't it, Ted? Didn't we grow up that? It was solid, man. Did you, grow, did you ever say it as a kid? You were probably too cool. Uh, I said it, solid, man. That's solid. The reason I like that is because that sounds more like peace than other words, really. I'm solid. What are you saying there? I'm whole. I'm whole. I'm full. I'm complete. I'm solid. I like. There's something about this little turns of phrase and language we use that can communicate something deeper than I'm okay, right? I'm okay, or I'm fine. What does fine mean? I'm fouled up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. F I N E. So what will he, what, what, he's going to teach it to us, the helper, the Holy Spirit. This is an internal thing. He comes in teaching and reminding a peace given as a gift. You see that? Don't be troubled. In your, it's a peace that actually comes in the form, believe it or not, of a command. You're commanded to be peaceful. Huh? Yeah. And, uh, and I told you before it takes place, when it does take place, you might believe. That's going to be, that's very important for this concept of peace. What's going on here? Peace within yourself, peace worked in the heart, is first of all a peace given. Once you have this idea, God's giving away peace as a gift. <laughs> it's, and it's built on an eternal truth of a Savior dying for sinners. But he's, he's giving it away. Ask for it. Repent of your lack of peace. Adele, repent of your lack of peace. Yes, turn away from your lack of peace and turn to your trust in the Lord. Nobody ever talks like that. They, they're like, no, but that's, that's what this language is talking about. This is a peace that's given, like, like the cross is given. It also can be a peace commanded because if it's a peace given, then being a peace commanded makes sense. I don't have to force peace out of me. I can turn to him. <laughs> I can turn to him and say, give me that peace. It's your peace to give away. I turn away from my lack of peace and repent of it that I might know you. What this is promising us is that peace awaits us constantly in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? And now it's a peace secure. I want you to hear how secure it is. These men are all right on the eve, literally the eve, of abandoning their best friend, running away, deserting him, denying him, running away naked, one of them, to the four winds. And they abandoned the one person who loved them the most, and they ran afraid. Now, Christ knows, he says, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of my teachings. And then he says, I'm telling you now, so later you'll remember. Do you get it? I'm telling you this morning about God's peace. So later on Wednesday, when you're in a foul mood and you cursed out your best friend and you refuse to do the work in front of you and you're resentful of your boss and you cut somebody off in traffic and you're, who knows what your sins are? You're angry, right? I want you to hear this. I want you to hear me speaking through Christ saying, I, I want you to remember this later. I am at peace with you. I give you my peace. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be, oh, and those two words, stirred up. 
an idea of like being stirred up inside your whole heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm the other day I was, you ever had this experience where you feel like your brain is a bag of cats? You ever feel like this? Your brain is a bag of cats. It's just like, you know, you can't pull it in. Anybody else experience this? You can't rein in. Maybe I'm just confessing my ADD, but I, I have this problem, and I don't know what to do with it. And then I, I hear, when I, when I feel like I have destroyed the peace between me and my Father in heaven, I hear him saying, remember my words given to you. Remember them later. When you feel I'm no longer at peace with you, or there's no possibility of peace here, it's here. It's secure. I, he says, I promised you this. You can depend on it. Praise him. Praise him today. A perfect peace is available for you and me. I, uh, and it's so much better. Uh, so we, we, many of you, some of you heard, I heard uh, my wife talking to some of you about it. Um, we got stuck on the trip down to, down to LA, down to SoCal. Uh, the grapevine got closed en route, which is that path, that torturous path through the mountains. And we, all of a sudden, the six-hour drive became 12 hours. And it was, oh, it was crazy. But you know what's funny? The whole time, we kept checking the GPS. We kept checking the navigational side because it could tell us how heavy the traffic was, where we were going, what. And, 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 and so even in the anxiety of it, we, we knew there was a way. And I was telling Adele the same story. And she remembers, because she's old enough to remember this, the pre-GPS, the pre-GPS days. And she said, you're stuck in traffic and you don't know if there's a way through. You know that? There's plenty of times that's happened. You remember that back in the day where you get stuck and you realize you may be here 15 hours. You have no idea whether that road will open up anytime in the next 24 hours. You're just kind of hoping against hope and you have no idea how to get around unless you open up a big map and you don't know if those are open and you don't, you're flying blind. I want to tell you, God wants to communicate some of his peace. You're not flying blind anymore. He's saying, I have a path for you through this. Trust me. It's my peace. I don't give the way the world gives. Trust me. Trust me in this. I have told you where I'm going, and I'm telling you how to get there. Believe in me, he says. <laughs> and he will bless you in perfect peace. <sighs> All right, but this is still not where I want to go with this. This is not far enough yet. I want to go to peace with others. There's peace made in community, not as the world gives. What's the world's version of peace? Passive-aggressive, I say. You don't bother me, I don't bother you. Good fences make good neighbors. Let's, 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 let's set the, you know what we need? We need better boundaries. Oh, sometimes we do. I have a problem with boundaries, but honestly, I don't know what boundaries are. They don't sound like Jesus to me. So, but here, let me give you another example of this. Toleration is peace. Um, my dad was a Buddhist when I was a child, and uh, and, and, and you know what Buddhism, you know how, what love is in Buddhism? They have, a, they have an expression for it. Disinterested compassion. <laughs> oh, or, or did, you, uh, did you cut yourself, Chris? Oh, I am, yeah, I have disinterested compassion for you. <laughs> oh, did you fall down and hurt yourself? Disinterested. This is the, do you understand? This is the best peace the world can offer. 
where you don't really get involved with each other because the deeper you get involved with each other, the less peace there is. <laughs> and look, give me, look, we have to, we, if we're gonna create peace in this world, we need rules, we need treaties, we need, we need good fences. You, do you hear it? This is all the techniques of man. It's all of the attitudes of man. It is not as the world gives that our Savior does. No, because what is in this, what's pregnant in this text? I've pointed this out to you before. Um, well, first let's go to Christ and how he begins. Begins his, begins his ministry, first sermon. And the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Subjective, right? So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Something interesting happens here. We're to be envoys, ambassadors, missionaries, tellers and sharers and bringers. Peace. It's part of who we are. It's part of what we're supposed to do. Now, given the number of divisions that have happened in denominations over the years, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? But look at this. Look at all the U's. Look at all, every one of them is in the plural. Every one of them. Every one of his promises to give peace are for a community. And so how dare us, how dare each one of you only come here or only come to Christ to get peace for you? Because you were supposed to get peace for me too. I want you to hear this. You ever heard the expression, uh, I complete you? You complete me? Honey, honey. You complete me. I really believe that. That's wonderful. What a wonderful thing to say to each other. We should all be saying it to each other. You see, the, the, the work of peace that we're called to do is, all right, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, the ruler of this world is coming. So peace with others is a peace made in community. Is First, I do want you to hear this because I'm going to send you out. Look, Christ is sending you out. Christ is going to do peace. What is, happens to Christ right after he tells them, I'm giving you all my peace? What happens within 24 hours? He's dead and he's in a tomb. Let me begin right out the door here that the world is not interested in the peace we bring. <laughs> it is not interested in God's peace. It is not, and in fact, it gets angry about it. It's not because it's a peace that requires you surrender everything to Christ, to know him. I mean, it, all that you must give up your own efforts to forward some peace and rest and completeness in your life. Well, we set the standard so low, we're just, remember our definition of peace is just to get rid of all the things that bug us, right? Just to get rid of all the things that bug us. Are you, are you, is anybody else here engaged in doing that pretty actively in their life besides me? Just, I'm trying to edit everything that bugs me. Everything, everything that, that just keeps me up at night. Everything that, oh, get rid of all of it. And what, what do I have to do? I have to get rid of all of you eventually. Don't I? I do. And you better get rid of me. There's no peace there. But the world rejects this peace. It rejected Christ. It will reject yours. But don't be afraid. Even when, the, even when those shepherds get the announcement of peace, what's their first response to the angels? Ah, they're terrified, right? And then he says, peace, no peace, no fear, no fear, afraid. And, you know, it's, it, there, it's something terrifying about this peace. There's something idea, terrifying about the idea that your peace, your personal peace, exists outside space and time. Like, that's kind of, wow. Huh. But it, it becomes a peace, a peace rejected. But it also becomes a peace shared. Um, 
And this is where I guess things, this is where I guess I, I just don't know where the end of this is. Right, well, let's go back. Let's go back. Peter, I have known Peter to be committed to my restoration. That's part of our friendship. I knew that I experienced that with Ted when at my darkest days. Have we, you see, and, and there's this idea that we are becoming and we are moving towards really giving each other peace. Real, be, to be agents of the wholeness and the completion of others. To me, this opens up the moral imagination because it's inviting you far as the curse is found, folks, right? Far as, where's the curse? It's right on the street here. It's right, it's down at General Hot, down the general. It's down, it's down, it's down in your block. It's in your family, right? It's a, and, and, huh. far as the curse is found. Let's get creative. It, it exists in, we can, we can, we can bring it to music. We can bring it to art. We can bring it to tech. We get everywhere the curse is found. We can bring it into hospitals. We can bring it into our bedrooms. We can bring it into our, with our children. Far as the, where is the curse found? Go there. Go there. We're, and look around you. The curse is active in here too. It's active in believers too. We're still struggling with the results of the curse. It still haunts us and hunts us and hurts us. Live for one another. You see, we're being invited into, into his peace, an eternal peace. And I think the energy for, and, and let's, let's get to this idea of the shalom of shalom. And then we'll end with some of the moral imagination. And see all we can get with it. I, love, I mean, I, honestly, after this message, I'd like to hear from you. I'm serious. Just let me know. Where do you imagine some new place that God is taking you to bring his peace? Wouldn't that be sweet? All right. That's, anyway, but uh, the shalom of shalom. And I want you to think of this in the biggest terms possible. What is the completion of completion? This is where I want us to see this as a whole message. When Christ says, my peace I give to you, my peace I give with you, my peace I give to you, he is talking about the objective work of the Son and the blood of the eternal covenant. He's talking about how Adele feels when she lays down her head on a Tuesday night after being exhausted, and he thinks about, and he's talking about when you and I are out talking about Jesus to people who don't know him. And they all work together. You see, if you are seeking peace with others, but the peace with God is something that you kind of put on the back shelf and you don't focus on, you're doomed. You're doomed to a process of constantly trying to chase your own tail, to try to find a peace. But you see, this peace with God builds your inner peace. Maybe you, maybe you love the idea of inner peace, and that's just the one thing you want to have the most of. You have to take this as a whole as a whole peace. <laughs> you need a, the wholeness of wholeness, you see? You need to begin with a peace outside of space and time, outside of experience, outside of anything you've done, outside, because it comes by grace and is activated by faith. Praise him. Then what do you do? Now, that begins, that's a platform. That's a, that's a structure in which you can hang this peace, or it's a platform you can build on. And now you have peace with yourself, possibly. Now, a lot of Christians stop right there, right? Isn't that where you, and we kind of tempted? Well, I feel pretty good. <laughs> and I've got a gospel that tells me I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not going to go to hell. Well, that's pretty good. And I, I'm glad I, I'm an introvert and I'm going to 
hole up and love Jesus and go to church occasionally and, uh, and monitor my commitments so I can get through this sucker, get through this world, get through this time, get through this crisis. Get... Do you do that? Because I do that, and I'm a minister. I do things like that. I'm trying to manage my peace. But what is it? This peace is, is irrelevant. This peace is inadequate, and this peace will not last or thrive if it doesn't result in this peace right here. And when you go to peace with others, what are you bringing them to? This peace up here <laughs> that they see in you and realize must be real, and they want it. You see? This is a package deal. In other words, there is a wholeness to wholeness that cannot be denied. There is a restoration to restoration. There's a restoration of restoration that we want to taste here and we want to be a part of this process because I think what will happen here by the Holy Spirit is that this will be ignited. Yes, this, the moral imagination. Seek the peace of the city. What does it look like? For in its peace, what? You know, Carter came and spoke about this not too long ago and he came and he shared about how his own process, his own work, his own life, his own family, his own kids, his own business and thinking about how does it become a blessing to others? How does it find and result in fullness and completion and, and in restoration and health and joy and prosperity for others? And then I know I'm on the track of peace because I was born of an eternal peace that lives in my soul and that I participate now. Why? Why? There's Rembrandt. Rembrandt did a sketch of the, unfortunately he didn't paint it. Uh, he didn't paint it. Here's the moral imagination. What does the announcement of peace do? They're terrified. And by the way, look at the gloom and the ruin. There are ruins in the background. You see them? And gloom. The world's in darkness. The world has no hope. It's a ruin. And, the, and, and, and here are the shepherds, and they scatter, and they're afraid. Even the, even the horses, I'm not horses, they're cows. Cows start running, and the, their flocks start dispersing. They don't know what to do. And here's the radiance. There's nothing but shadow down here and more shadow as you go out. But what's here? This is radiance, active and alive. What we're learning here is that peace is active. There's nothing passive about it. It is an engagement with others. Peace to be the Christ, Christ peace and the peace he forged and he lived and he gives. It has to be a peace that goes out and finds the people who need it. You see, it's, it, it, is, it is enlarged and animated by its going out. You see, I think a lot of us suffer from a lot of frustration and anger and guilt and shame inside because we don't, we don't complete the wholeness of wholeness. You see, if you, look, if you stop with point two, you're never, you're not, you're not in its peace, you will find your peace. Uh, many of you, it would be very, very hard for you to even explain to me sometimes what it means to be a Christian. Go and teach the kids about this stuff and you'll learn what it means to be a believer. I don't know why this is true, but I have learned peace and found peace and been delivered true peace as I went and sought it for others. And I'm not hoarding. What are, we, what are the Christians really doing? We're hoarding our peace. We're hoarding it. We're not, we're not letting our moral imagination imagine what does it look like at school? What does it look like at our workplace of work? What does it look like with our associates? What does it look like for us to be committed to others' peace? Because that's where you'll find it, guys. And that's where we'll see this open up. And that's where we'll see wholeness for our city, our, our generation. You see? We're no longer hoarding and trapped 
in a search or a hunt for some personal state of bliss, but we're handing it away. And, we, and what, what do Christians find again and again? When they die, they find peace and other people find peace. And when we live and try to live for ourselves, what happens? Peace runs out the door <laughs> like, a, like a brat, <laughs> like a kid you're chasing. <laughs> Where'd it go? Well, you were trying to keep it in, keep it for yourself. The moral imagination. Let's read this. You read it responsibly and we'll be done. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, what? Let's go, let's go over to Bethlehem and see about this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's find out about this objective peace. Let's go see where it's being made. And then what did they do? They went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, just right there. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. What's the first thing these, these poor shepherds did? They released that peace into the world. Because once you really experience the peace of God, it will not be at peace just sitting in your gut. <laughs> it will only be at peace with you. His peace will only be at peace with you when you're sharing it, telling it. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Wouldn't it be wonderful? And all of San Francisco who heard about First Press wondered about what they had told them. All right, I'm done. Let's pray. Father, um, I pray this peace would be known among us. I, we, are, we are hungry for it. We, we crave it at times. Um, when I'm really depressed or sad, I, I crave it because there's no peace. My heart's stirred up and I'm afraid. All these troubles. You don't feel like you're nearby. We've all had this, Father. Will you speak new peace, fresh peace to us? Your wholeness your restoration, your completion. Father, we trust that, not ourselves anymore. And even now, let that peace reach out into our hearts and guard us, and guard us right now. Guard our hearts and minds. And then once we're guarded, I pray we become emissaries of peace to one another in our attitudes, in our helping, in our investment in, each, in one another, and out these doors. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Perfect peace. The Prince of Peace. Amen. And amen. Let us go like the shepherds. Now, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus Christ broke bread and said, this is my body, which is forgiven for you. Take and eat it. And in the same way, after dinner, he said, this is my blood, this cup of the covenant. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and, take and drink this. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you... Proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Peace. Peace in the blood. Jesus, Jesus gave us this weekly memorial and this weekly remembrance and this weekly presence of the Holy Spirit because he knows how much we want peace. <laughs> he knows. He knows. Just make it real. Make it constant. <laughs> make it something you never forget. What is, Jesus, what is God saying at this table? I am at peace with you. I am at peace with you. Come, eat with me. Come, be my son. Come, come to the table. 
Every one of you are sinners who know Jesus. Hear his peace. And if you've been disobedient and you've been in all sorts of places, he knew those things. He re- now remember, if you've been disobedient in your heart, now today remember, like he calls us to remember. Remember, he knew your sin. <laughs> he still offers you peace. Isn't he a sweet savior? Isn't he a sweet God? But remember, I was warned, if I speak peace where there is no peace, I'm not talking for God anymore. Where is there no peace? If you're a good person. If you're a good person trusting in your goodness to bring you or deliver you peace or God or anything, you are, there's no, I can offer you no peace whatsoever. I must insist that you not come to this table. God has not welcomed you. He only welcomes sinners. Whereas that's where all my joy and peace comes from. I praise him. If you are a skeptic, you know nothing of peace and I feel sorry for you. But come in from the cold (laughs) because God offers you peace. All right. So what we're going to do, the kids are back. Uh, We're going to do is we're going to, this should be pretty, pretty quick. Let's come and get the elements, take them back to our, to our seats. We'll take them all together after we're finished singing a song. So, um, so let's, uh, so let's stand. Let's stand. We'll first we'll do the Apostles' Creed, then we'll do our song. Uh, please, will you speak to me? It's, it's printed in your bulletins. The mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Amen. Tell me, uh, First Presbyterian Church, guests, visitors, any, all of you, what do you believe? We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Well, he descended into hell. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the holy Catholic Church, the communion of sins, sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyterian.sf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.